0: What's up, everyone? This is episode number 58 of the Wax Museum Podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Podcast. My Twitter is at waxmuseumpc. Uh, this show is also a proud member of the Bench Clear Media Network I encourage you to give the network a follow on social media because we've got a lot of good stuff for you guys, um, especially this week. Speaking of social media, some of you have reached out to me this week with pictures of care packages you're sending to people or you posted using the WMP home delivery hashtag that I talked about last week. That was really encouraging. There's not a set time frame for that, so. Um, I want to encourage you, if you really enjoy interacting with someone or you enjoy someone's content, get their address, send them a few things for their collection. It's just a little something that we as collectors can do to make this social isolation era more manageable. Okay, so I've got a treat for you guys today. Wednesday night, I chatted with a player collector named Steve. As we'll discuss in our intro, some of you guys likely already know him or you've seen some of his content. We touched on all different topics, with the main focus still being on player collecting. I feel like it's something I haven't had on here before. I really enjoyed our chat, and I'm ready to share it with you. So I hope you enjoy. All right, Steve, uh, how are you doing? How are you adjusting to this, um, let's call it the social
1: distancing era? I mean, Kyle, I hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm relatively speaking, I'm, I'm doing well. Both my wife and I are very fortunate to work in, um, industries that our paychecks are still coming through. Um, uh, our quality of life is obviously different. Um, I was talking with a colleague recently about what it's like being on high alert in um, in the grocery store. I'm doing like, I'm doing evasive maneuvers through the grocery store, trying to avoid people at the apple cart. Um, so, you know, obviously different stressors, but, compared to what a lot of people are dealing with we're very fortunate we've got two young kids they're out of daycare um so we're we're busy with them but um all in all we're we're, relatively speaking doing pretty well thank you for asking
0: i'm guessing uh lots of creative entertainment for the kids lots of dance uh, parties and (laughs)
1: my three-year-old has been running around the house with cards recently she's watched me bust a few slabs and thinks it's hilarious um i've Made up for that with pushing her on the swing set and then playing soccer with her. So we've we've entertained each other.
0: Okay, starting the the no slap movement at a very young age. <laughs> um, so it's always good to hear from you. And um, there's a good chance that people here know some about you already, or they've interacted you with you before, be it on blowout um, or social media. I know you were on one of the early episodes of Cardboard Chronicles. I really enjoyed that one. Um, you were on the first listener forum for this show and I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, it would be nice though, to have a little bit of a refresher. Can you tell us a little about yourself and then also your collecting background?
1: Right. So, uh, I guess I, I hate to start off this way, but I'll start off like a lot of the guests on the podcast and say um, I'm like a lot of the people in the hobby. I'm in my mid to late 30s. I collected as a kid. Um, but um, So I'm Steve. I am in the greater Boston area. I am a diehard Celtics fan. Grew up with it, embedded in my family. Um, good guys versus the bad guys as a young kid. <laughs> um, started collecting cards uh, around eight years old. Red Sox cards. I'd get them in my stocking. I still have not not that you probably even know who this guy is, Kyle, but an Aaron Saley rookie card, which is a picture for the Red Sox. (laughs) I do. I actually do know who that is. Yeah. My family told me to save it for retirement. It was going to be the next big thing. So, Um, and that was in the mid and late eighties. Just, and just bought them at the corner store. Didn't really, you know, there wasn't any, like, just look for your favorite players. Right. And you collected cards. I read the backs. I I loved getting tops, all-star rookies because I thought it was a rookie, but it was just, it wasn't. It was just a base card. And I just loved that stuff. Um, and then as I got older and more into basketball, I switched really kind of as a as a core social activity for me. Going across the neighborhood, playing hoops for hours, going to the other neighborhoods with my backpack full of cards, trading, um, saving up an extra five bucks to get a high impact of flair instead of you you know your basic. Um, cops cards you know my big set back in the day was always flare ultra um couldn't afford flare uh, but flare ultra was big i love skybox um and i know we're going to talk a little bit about player collecting that's when it started for me i back then i i've always had this thing for under you know the underappreciated players so while everyone was chasing Shaq, i went in on alonzo morning um really because i love the color scheme of the hornets jerseys and the pinstripes Um, but I did everything I could and, you know, the thought of trading one shack for two, you know, two mornings. And when I filled my binder with every rookie card and insert that he had, cause that was doable back then, it was just like the greatest thing in the world. And the next season I did it for the, you know, his second year playing cards. Uh, so that took me to the mid nineties and then girls and job and cars and high school sports and everything kind of pulled me away from it. Always picked up packs along the way if I was at Walmart or whatever, um, on I think I was probably in my mid 20s I picked up a probably some sort of repack thing and pulled a Rashad McCants jersey card and I was like wow you know things are different you know, were a these the
0: uh, infamous Target and Kmart repack boxes?
1: Yeah, it would have been Target because I, I, I can picture where I was living at the time. I was with my now wife, then girlfriend. So we we're living in a time. There's a Target right next to us. So I definitely would have been a Target repack. Okay. You. Like, yep. You with nailed it. With uh,
0: the strongest glue ever. I yes. just had to cut the <laughs> cards
1: out of the packs. I yep. love those things. Yep. So I would pick those up, you know, once or twice a year. Um I logged onto eBay once probably around 2007 when the seas were going strong and ordered up a Pierce, you know, autograph card for dirt cheap, not knowing what it was, but just it was an on-card autograph. So it was like an in-person auto in my mind. It wasn't a card that I, you know, I wasn't doing it for the card. And then in 2012, a local radio host on the sports um, network in the area was talking about having sort of a midlife crisis and buying, um, boxes of eighties baseball cards to open with this kid. And I was just, it just, it it resonated with me. And I remember thinking about it during the day and I, I went home and for 25 bucks bought a, a box on Amazon of, um, the original stadium club release, 92, 93 stadium club, which was just one of my favorite products back in the day. I mean, just all about the photographs. um, and I opened it and I hit, um, uh, I always butcher this name as a jazz player. I think it was Kevin Malone. That's I might be getting that first name wrong again, uh, beam team. And I thought that was just the B's and e's. <laughs> And then in my very last pack, I hit a Michael Jordan beam team. And I was just like through the roof. I remember texting a buddy of mine, um, just being like, remember that thing I told you I did? I bought a box of cards, 25 bucks. I just hit this and we were both like laughing about it and how cool it was, um, and then I wanted to know if it was worth anything, because back in the day, if had I hit that, I would have been like king of the courtyard um, <laughs> for, you know, at you get least a lot, lot
0: of Lonzo mornings for that.
1: Oh, my God. I would have I would have gone right down to a local card shop and flashed around because the guy was kind of a jerk and didn't think we would ever hit anything out of packs. But that's a different story. Um, so I called. In, so I went online and I, I ended up, you know, finding the Beckett forums, um, set up an account there, kind of poked around. Um had some extra expendable income at the time, so got into the cards thought it was kind of cool um and impulsively bought a, a Larry bird uh, magic Johnson rookie it was just something I had always wanted as a kid I was like I just want this one card um and so that was around September 2012 um it was a bcs bcc 10 didn't know anything about grading I just wanted to make sure it was authenticated that sent me down a track about learning about the history of grading and the history of cards. Um, And, you know, that started a whole whirlwind of, okay, now I want one copy of every Celtics Hall of Famer rookie. And then, okay, how am I going to afford the Bill Russell? So let me see if I can, you know, sell some of my other stuff. And then, oh, I've never been able to afford a box of cards. Let me try a modern box. I bought a box of 2012 Prestige and met people and traded cards. And, um, you know, from there I just have really been – since that point, I just really have built a, a niche in the hobby and have really you know, enjoyed the hobby and have been pretty much a full-time contributor and, and member of the hobby since that time, collecting mainly Celtic stuff, but as we're going to talk about, I know, in a little bit, um, and also a very odd player collection with Jay Crowder, um, who most people think is actually an NFL player, Jameson Crowder, when I post on social media, but... So that's that's my background um, and kind of how I got to where I am now. And like I said, right now I have a pretty extensive Celtics collection, um, but most of my energy goes towards my my odd player collectors collections.
0: Yeah, the contrast between a, a Bird and Magic rookie or a Russell rookie and Jay Crowder Um is is pretty significant.
1: Very significant.
0: Um, but just out of curiosity, what did, if you don't mind,
1: what did a Russell rookie run you then? Um, when I bought it, so I bought it several years ago. Um, it was $2,000. It's a PSA 6. A pretty, um, pretty solid copy. Uh, it's, it's got good coloring to it, relatively well-centered, a little soft around the edges and corners, obviously, but uh, about $2,000. Last I checked, they were running... Twenty-five to $3,000 for a similar copy.
0: That actually, that hasn't gone up as much as I thought it had then. So no. um, So I, I'm looking at the, uh, not that I want to give purchase advice here, but the, the Bird uh, Magic Rookie, I'm looking for a copy myself. That's actually one of the, of course, there's a lot of issues with them, but uh, that's one of the lower priced iconic cards in the hobby still.
1: Yeah, it's they've got they've got massive centering issues both between the perforations and then just the card in general, and then they've got a couple of the well known print defects. So um but you can get you can get a a, a nice looking copy, a pretty crisp copy, good coloring for, for relatively affordable considering what you know, especially when you consider what modern day cards cost. You could get a nice you could get three bird magic rookies that look good for the cost of one Zion silver these days, so Right. <laughs>
0: All right. So uh, one of the main reasons that I wanted to have you on today, like you've already kind of alluded to, is, is because you are now what I would consider a player collector, even mm-hmm. though you have an amazing Celtics collection. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out on Instagram, he was doing this Hall of Fame Celtics Rookies series. Um, I, I was really into that. I really That's different content that I really enjoyed. Um, I've talked a little bit about player collecting before, but real quick, I want to give a rundown of my recollection of player collecting and feel free to jump in whenever, you know, if you have something to add here and then we'll get going with some of the the uh, discussion points here. But um, you already talked about the time prior to the late 90s and I would say prior to that time you could pretty much collect all of a particular player's cards provided that you could track them down in a catalog or in person uh, which is what you attempted to do with alonzo morning right and um i'm assuming you collected him probably well until the heat trade maybe
1: yeah i probably tapped out right right before then as far as really being into it but his first three seasons at least i mean he had a the hornets had a very well-known matchup against the celtics um in the playoffs that i followed through and then probably the season after that but right before the heat trade i i probably bowed out of the hobby
0: so a lot of it, um, like I said, you, you did have to find in person. I know there were some really early AOL card chats. Um, I've heard about those. I wasn't a, a part of any of those. But the internet and social media hadn't evolved to what it is today. Well, then we got eBay um, and the forums evolved. You mentioned the Beckett Forum. I know the, the first one I, I was on, I think, was Sports Card Forum, SCF. Yep, um, that. <laughs> And that opened things up quite a bit. Um, I started lurking on the forums around 2003, and I think I officially signed up in 2004. I've talked about my Ron Artest collection a little bit. Um, I never had anything super rare, but I was um, very systematically collecting every card of his that I could. He also didn't have a lot of super rare stuff, so it, it worked out for me. Um, but doing that kind of gave me an identity I felt at the time in, in the collector community because people would show off their collections and they'd try to obtain what we would call super collector status. Uh, they were featured on message boards and in Beckett's monthly magazine. A lot of you guys, if, if you read Beckett's growing up, you saw that. Um, now, I know a lot of people blame Panini for paralleling everything to death. And trust me, you know, I agree. And I, I think you now collecting Crowder would also agree having 40 parallels for a card is a bit excessive Um, but there were a couple of sets in 2004 that rarely get mentioned that I think helped put us on this course so everyone wants to talk about how great tops and upper deck were but uh, they contributed to this so the first one was from tops that was 2004 2005 finest aside from base and printing plates there were 14 parallels Um, the year before that had three uh, it was a fun little chase, but um, that was a lot of parallels for then. The other set I want to mention real quick is 2004-2005 Upper Deck Hardcourt, um, And this set was not as fun. And I, I can't find any source for this now, but I remember that they even had some of the hobby boxes. Um, they were selling them at Walmart, which that part I thought was kind of cool. What wasn't cool, though, was the Etched in Time 1 of 1s. And I can't even find a checklist that accurately represents this, but you can go on WorthPoint and you'll see it for the big name players. I think I looked for Shaq. Um, Basically, every player involved had numerous one-on-ones where they just took a different individual game accomplishment and etched a description of that accomplishment on a wooden plate and attached it to the card. So each one of these one-on-ones had a different accomplishment on it, um, even though the cards looked the same. So these guys had a lot of one-on-ones, and it definitely watered things down. But um, the parallels still weren't too crazy after that. It was just kind of a set here and there. Things weren't horrible heading into the early 2000s. Um, Then Panini took over. As I mentioned not long ago, I I don't feel like they really got their footing in place until 2012 or 2013, which, Steve, is when you jump back into the scene. You talked about that. Um, and then 2012 also had rookie cards for the player that you now collect, um, uh, Jay Crowder. Yep. So, um, uh, that kind of brings us to a point where we're intersecting now. And, um, I want to ask you first off here, can you tell us why, um, can you tell us when, and then also why you chose to collect a player? Um, um and then I'm sorry. Yeah, and then why sorry. did you choose Crowder
1: as well? Sorry about that. No, sorry. That's all right. Um, so as I as I said even going back to my my early days in the hobby when I was a kid there's just something about player collecting I've always enjoyed it gives me a reason to follow a player um especially you know maybe a player that's out of my market you know it gives me a reason to connect with the ho- with the um sport a little bit more so I think so to kind of back up a little bit part of the reason I love the hobby so much is cuz I'm such a basketball fan I love playing the game I love following the game um, and for me, the hobby connects me to the sport more, right? So um, when I first got back in the hobby, I was definitely, I mean, I was only in my early thirties, but I'll, I'll call it a midlife crisis already. Um, I was reliving my childhood and Panini had some awesome, awesome, awesome um, Alonzo Morning Hornet stuff, relic cards, um, amazing patches, autographs, shiny stuff, you know, Prism was just coming out that year. It was They just had some great stuff. Um, and so it's kind of, I was starting my, my Celtics rookie chase that you mentioned for Instagram and, and working on that, but I wasn't picking up a lot of other Celtics stuff, but the, the Alonzo morning stuff really called to me. So I, and this is going to be, you know, funny to some of my friends in the hobby, but I picked up uh, PSA graded copies of all those rookies that I had as a kid. Cause I was, I was into that then. Um, and really chased a lot of the more modern, um, Hornets stuff. Like I said, the patches and all that. Um, so I've always had this niche for, for player collecting because it it just it ties me. It gives me a reason to follow plays career trajectory. Um and that's what I really like. And that's where Crowder comes in. So as a basketball fan and and growing up in the northeast, I was a huge big big East basketball fan before it you know, when it was a real conference and when there was real competition in it and when Crowder was in college, for some reason, Marquette basketball had like a lot of Saturday matinee games, Sunday matinee games. So they just happened to always be on my TV. And I, I just enjoyed the team. Doc Rivers was a Marquette guy. He was the coach of the Celtics of the team. So I, I picked up on following them a little bit. Um, Jimmy Butler was on there and was clearly dynamic. Um, and then there's this guy with the the – Big head of hair and the muscles, and I didn't didn't know anything about him. But I was just watching the game, and I was just I was drawn to how he played the game, especially the college game. There a different level of intensity and and focus and strength to his game that I just really appreciated. And, and that was Crowder. um So you know when he got drafted, I I just followed his name in the draft. Was happy for him when I saw he got picked up by the uh, Mavs. I was like, that's a good organization, good chance for a you know, a fringe player to get a shot in the league. Um, picked up a few rookie car- cards just out of interest. You know, they were cheap. Nobody, you know, Dallas fans did like him his first year, so he had some push in the hobby. It's um, kind of a glue guy, an intensity guy, but they weren't expensive. So I would trade for him in the old, you know, Beckett organization, the OPG they call it, where you could just sort of upload your little checklist and trade from there. Um, and then he got traded. He was um the the player that got sent over as part of the Rajon Rondo trade. Um and I by that time I was done with Rondo as a C's fan. I was ready for him to go and he, they just happened to bring in return one of the guys was this this kid that I liked watching in college. So I remember I was at a um an internship, um supposed to be working with clients, nobody everyone was canceling on me, I had free time. Heard about the trade and I I hopped on eBay instantly, and for like, I don't know, I'll say twenty bucks, if even that. I bought um, his immaculate acetate numbers RPA out of nine, um, and just that year, just sort of backtracked and bought a few of his rookies. Didn't like super focus on him, um, but over the years of his time in Boston, he he became a very popular player. Um, like a lot of Boston players, an overhyped player by the local fans. I remember. Um, one of the media members in town predicting he was going to be an all-star, which I I laughed at because he doesn't have the athleticism to ever be an all-star. He's a, maybe a starter on a lottery team. But, um, so there was a point where I actually kind of backed away from his cards a little bit because they just, they got, they got kind of expensive, actually. Um, people were asking crazy money, but there was hype around People were picking them up at that time, but I had always, you know, was picking his stuff up. And then, um, Actually, after he got traded, this was after the Cavs. So I had, you know, follow his career was I didn't buy any of his um, his 2017, 2018 stuff because he was in the cat. He was with the Cavs. He, you know, as a Celtics fan, hated the Cavs. Wanted nothing to do with them. It was a horrible experience for him. Uh, and then he got sent to Utah. And I've always been a fan of Utah. I like the way they run their team. I like watching their team when they pop up on national TV games um it was like like what they do this squad and he had a great role with them and i just really found myself you know buying league passes to watch him um and that's when i decided you know i was kind of i didn't really have a have a i didn't have a focus in the hobby i wanted something to focus on i i was you know a big jalen brown fan i was picking up his rookie stuff and you know selling it trading it and you know have made great friends talking about you know jalen brown collectors and um And then, you know, Jason Tatum gets drafted and I, for the first time since I'd been back in the hobby, couldn't afford rookies of the current Celtics rookie. So then I was like, what am I going to search for on eBay? And I just went down this black hole of um, wanting to get every Jay Crowder card I could. Um, And instead of, you know, looking for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum cards as they were increasing, and you know Kyrie cards spiked when he came over the Celtics. I was like, I don't really want to dig into those. Uh, found myself looking for you know copies of twenty thirteen Intrigue Crowder cards, and it was just my way of staying engaged with the hobby, but also finding a way to um, follow a player that I really enjoyed and respected, but was now out of market and and really enjoying like let's see where this guy's career goes and and let's do it through cards um and i didn't expect it but there was a a a secondary benefit to it where i've been able to really be you know enjoy cards and a wide variety of cards that i normally wouldn't be able to enjoy because i i would never pick up you know an ntrpa of you know jason tate i'm not i don't have that kind of funds you know it, it took a lot of a lot of time for me to be able to get a bill russell rookie i don't have you know expendable funds like that but i can pick up a Jay crowder ntrpa for pennies on the dollar and, and be able to have a copy of that and um and have you know a prism black or a prism gold and I posted on one of my Instagram posts this year that I picked up a white sparkle that is horrifically off centered. And I don't care because I'm gonna be able to look back on that card and be like, ha, this was Zion Mania. This was when Panini cranked up the presses and couldn't keep stuff, you know, set up right. Um and so there's this also this side benefit of being able to sort of track the hobby um and look at the different cards and you know and look at cards in 2012 2013 2014 that I think were more innovative that were more diverse across product releases and then look at cards you know today which are are kind of you know almost monotone in a degree they're they're either large patch autograph cards or they're they're thin shiny cards and and really look at the differences year to year so there's been this this side benefit that I've really enjoyed too and then there's there's an odd part of me that just likes being the Jay Crowder guy and, and why him and, and being able to have those conversations and, and discuss player collecting with people. So,
0: Right. It's that identity type of thing yeah. that I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, so and I like the white sparkle part that you just talked about because um, it's it's your way of chronicling uh, the hobby. Um, but Taylor, do you? Right, so it, it it's definitely one that only you would appreciate. That's like um, I picked up uh, after I was doing all this RPA patch research. Um, people are saying, you know, are you looking to purchase one? Is that why you are doing all this research? Now I bought a ten dollar Tyler Hansbro, nice because <laughs> because I wanted a two thousand nine RPA, and that was my guy in two thousand nine, or at least that so, was the Pacers was guy.
1: Say, so ten bucks. What would that have what would that have been going for in two thousand nine?
0: man, I, I wouldn't have even, um, I don't even, I didn't even shop for him because, uh, it was all of his nice stuff was either like that. And he was, he did have a little bit of a following then, you know, he was a big player at UNC. Um, and then also for some reason they put him on a lot of cards. Well, I guess because of that, they put him on a lot of cards with Blake. So it's like, I couldn't, you know, I never really pursued Hansborough stuff that hard. So here I am now. Uh, it's a lot nicer getting it for ten dollars, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, so your um, your selection of Crowder didn't happen quite as I envisioned it. Um, I it, I was also surprised that you were kind of keeping an eye on him before he was drafted. I didn't know about that. I just assumed you chose him when he went to the Celtics. Uh, so it also surprised me that you chose a player after he left, um, because typically. Um, you know, let's say uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, right? Yep, so he um, loved him in Indiana and he went to then went to the jazz. I have no you know, no ill feelings towards that. I understand it was a business move and you know, we signed, we got TJ Warren and so on and so on. Um, but I don't want any of his new stuff, I don't want any of his jazz stuff. He's I'm done with him now, Yep. at that point. So it kind of surprises me that that's when you latched on to Crowder
1: was after he left. Well, so um, I don't, yeah, so, but there's, so A, I mean, I was definitely picking up Crowder stuff and some of my nicer pieces came when he was in town. Like I, I've got some autographed jerseys and stuff that I grabbed. I've actually got a game that I grabbed when he was in town. So, but I, I wasn't focused solely on him, but you also have to remember that as, as much as I'm a diehard Celtics fan, my, t- my, peak of my childhood collecting was when the celtics were turning into hot garbage right and there wasn't right. there was reggie lewis for a little bit that as a kid was my first superstar but then he tragically passed away so as i'm getting into these cards are becoming you know fun to collect and there's they're dynamic and there's flare alter and there's a you know skybox emotion there's no salt cel- like dano Barros, you know like there's no cell. so yeah. I, I dino Raja up- didn't do it yeah, for you Dina, even though he's not a hall of famer so i do not have his rookie card. <laughs> but yeah um, explain that like, one to me that um that does you know i grew up in that and i think a lot of us go back to what we had when we were kids whether it be chasing the parallels or whatever um and so i grew up not focused just on celtic's yard so there's like a natural transition i feel like for me I, like um and then there was also, there's also a cost factor. Like, again, what do I want to do in the hobby and, and how am I going to get enjoyment out of it? And I, I get a lot of enjoyment chasing this, you know, I don't want to call him a scrub because I respect his game, but, uh, you know, someone that's probably got one more contract in him before he's, you know, waived and sent off to China type of player. Um, so maybe <laughs> a scrub, I guess.
0: It, what, veteran role player. Yeah, there you right? go. That's veteran you journeyman. Yeah. We can say scrub. <laughs> That's fine. Um, all right. So, um, you know, we all have our kind of collecting routines and our hobby routines. Um, I haven't, like I said, I haven't, I'm a team collector now. I haven't really, even though I do try and pick up certain players more than others, um, I haven't passionately pursued a player collection since the mid 2000s. Um, that was when I was in high school. I'd, I'd come home, I'd jump on the computer, I'd grab my Pepsi, right? And I'd search our test, and look through the last day's worth of listings we didn't have uh, smartphones then. Yeah. You know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have group breakers to follow. Um, so that was that was the big thing. I'd check the forums for all the new posts. I'd check eBay. Um, I thought I was pretty slick, right? Because I'd type in Ron Artist just yeah. in <laughs> case anyone misspelled his name. Um, but things have changed. So now in in 2020, what does a typical day um i mean you don't have to restrict it to a day but what does what does the routine of a player collector look like
1: i mean so you you kind of did a little foreshadowing there when you talk about smartphones so i mean obviously i've got the eba app on my phone so there's in j crowder is the top thing on my search there's a lot of time that i i almost feel like subconsciously i'm just clicking on that app and just hit it scrolling you know pulling down to refresh it just to see if there's anything that pops up and you know, I'm a, so I, I I've got some friends in the hobby. You know, a John Wall collector, and and I think we all know the Tony Kukoc collector, and a few others that I think shout out to, to Jeff. Yeah, Jeff's great. Peter Freeman is the, my buddy who does John Wall. I mean, they they have a few more battles. I think I'm the only one that's regularly looking for Jay Crowder. So it's all it's there's not as many cards that pop up. So it's a little bit easier for me. To, like there can be a whole day. I can check it before I go to work, and I can check when I get home, and the only thing that might be new is like a base prism rookie. You know, it's it's pretty right. easy for me to tell if there's new stuff. Um, but I am I'm flipping through eBay way too much during um, my downtime. On top of that, I do you know I, I have a spreadsheet that I manage that is I really enjoy. It's it's part of why I enjoy player collecting. Where I have it have different tabs for every year. I have the entire player checklist of everything but leaf cards in there. Um, so I'm, I'm going through, I'm managing that. I'm, you know, double checking that orders came in. Um, I'm checking, um, com C in the morning cause generally, um, stuff gets priced overnight. They, they tend to upload their orders and post them to your portal late in the day or early evening. So I'm usually checking that first thing in the morning, um, you know, while I'm having coffee and, um, Checking orders, I, I usually have a Crowder card come in every other day or so, whether it be a cheap one from eBay or someone someone sent me as a gift. And then on social media, I'm posting, you know, maybe once a month, once every two weeks at the most to the the various different groups, just saying looking for Jay Crowder cards. As I kind of hinted at in the beginning, if I post to a multi sport group, ninety percent of the time they think I'm looking for Jameson Crowder, the football player. Um, so I don't usually get hits there. Most of my Most of my hits come from either eBay or or ComC. So it's checking those. Um, And then I'm pretty maniacal with my organization of my Crowder collection. Um, Everything that's a 35-point to 100-point stock is in top loader binders. Everything that's 130 or above is in mags. And then a a custom box that um, Casper, I don't know if people out there know him, but he does these amazing etched boxes the customized um so i have them in those so a lot of it's just going through and you know i'll spend a, a day or two just sort of flipping through the cards and, and organizing them a little bit and and you know like i said check my checklist but it's not it's not as intense as like a john wall collection like when i talk with peter the, he he knows three or four pretty intense john wall collectors so he spends a lot of time just socializing with them comparing you know uh, checklists with each other, fighting for 101s in a in a nice way, but also you know being upset when they miss out on stuff. Um, when I was collecting Jalen Brown a lot, it was you know checking Instagram to just wonder where all the nice cards went that I'll never be able to afford. And uh, but but with Crowder, it's it's definitely a more laid back player collector. It's like I said, it's just checking eBay and and putting failures out there on blowout and Instagram and Facebook and a lot of times that ends up being more just conversation, which is, is why I like the hobby anyways. I, I like conversing with people and um, having those back and forth. So a lot of it becomes more conversational, not not a lot of transactions through social media.
0: Yeah, I, I would say in, in retrospect, the Crowder choice um, ended up working really well because the the rookie stuff, there was a lot of it, but it wasn't crazy. Um you know you got in on it early enough like the prism gold rookie i'm sure you got that before it blew up uh before yes, the whole yeah, set yeah. blew up so yeah. um yeah you, you probably didn't spend much on that at all no. um and i think i had um, three copies
1: of that at one point
0: point. <laughs> and uh which now i think you know i've seen commons that are like over 100 bucks at least um and then even now he's in sets but he's not in every set and it's not crazy so you still have something to chase but it's
1: not as out of hand um, uh, you know, I, yeah but you want you want a little data though I do, yes. Hit me with it. In 2012, so this is my spreadsheet I'm staring at right now, because of course I have it on my phone too, so I can always check my needs at any point. So in 2012, 2013, when they had, you know, releases that people don't even remember, Momentum, Brilliance, you know, whatever. They just had so many releases. He had 167 unique cards across Panini and Upper Deck. In 2019, 2020, he already has 152 so yeah <laughs> every year now years in between there he had in 2013-14 he had 44 unique cards 32 69 he had a he had a, his big year of the celtics they did bump him up big time uh he had 139 but other than that 79 78 his past two years he's got more than he's got more than twice as many cards this year as he did last year alone it's so it's i always find that interesting when we talk about um you know the the increases in production this year and i think you foreshadowed right. that a little bit when you talked about how can they you, you did your your uh prison preview and how can they up um the production without <laughs> crushing the the silvers and and i think jay crowder was a, a part of that for a revolution in optic this year
0: right well and uh he was with memphis right and they had uh, they, they had to, they, they needed it a veteran, and they just didn't have
1: anyone. Well, and I I, there's the conspiracy theorist side of me also believes that because he was with Memphis, I do think Panini Panini placates to the team, uh, to the breakers, and so they needed to make sure that team breakers had enough hits. Um, Because if if you're paying $2,000 for the Grizzlies and you don't hit John Moran and that's the only player, the breakers aren't going to be happy. So I I do think they upped the the number of players on some of the big teams um, to help with those breakers.
0: Yeah. And, and then you pay the price for that, but we'll talk about that in a yeah. little bit. Um, I do want to um, go back real quick to player checklist. I, I love the idea of a spreadsheet. I had I, I used an Excel spreadsheet back in the 2000s. Um, I didn't have all the tabs, so I like what you've done there. Can you um, tell listeners where you got that the card information to put into the spreadsheet?
1: Yeah. So I, I use the Beckett website. Um, so they do have, uh, you don't have to pay for any of their, their services and they do have checklists up and you can search it pretty much any way you need to. So I just had a buddy of mine, green fundamental Kenny on, on Instagram. Um, he was just looking to do a refractor prism set for Celtics. Um, and so I, I helped him and like, if you type in 2012, 2013, uh, prism Celtics, you'll get a checklist for all the Celtics players that were in prism sets, prism select, etc. So you can, you can filter that pretty well there. It's not a hundred percent accurate. Uh, for instance, I just happened to have known from recollection that what Beckett had inputted for Crowder for 2012, 13 signatures was not correct. So then I was, I had to go back to cardboard connection and kind of double down check um, but I always start with Beckett's website as my, my go-to because, it, like I said, you can filter it. So you can I you can literally type in 2012-13 J Crowder and get all the Crowder cards. And then I, um, what I would do is I would go through and I'd, I'd pull out all the releases. So 2012-13 was the worst. It Hoops, base, Panini, Signatures, Prism, et cetera. And then I would go type in 2012-13 J Crowder Prism and get just the Prism checklist. But I would... Go through the whole checklist first, make sure I had all the releases, um, and then refilter it. And then I would just I just spent a couple hours one day with a, a cold beer and a Celtics game on, and and just typed it all into a, a Google Drive spreadsheet, um, and then started organizing and cataloging my collection from there.
0: And that way, you have it on your phone; it updates yep. live, so yep. it's always handy at a card yeah. show. Uh, yep. That might be something that. Um, we want to try and get on video at some point to help people out because I think that's a really good tool but that's something yeah. we can work on later I'm um, happy to do that. All right so've we, we've, we've already talked some about the differences between even 2012 when you started and today. I want to hone in on that a little bit more. Um, I talked earlier about my memories of the history of player collecting and when I first started, um, I know people really admired collectors who chased after one particular player it was like a badge of honor um i want to know things because that was in the mid early to mid 2000s um when you started collecting in 2012 how do you think people perceived player collectors
1: i i feel like it was it was a driving force in the hobby even then i feel like when i came back in in 2012 the the two things that i Maybe it was just me consuming the most, or, or just the conversations I had were around breaking wax um, and and collectors. Whether it be, but specific collectors with a specific focus. Whether it be um, a team a team collector or a player collector. And when I think back on you know my day, first days early in blowout or, or the back at forum, and I you know I I can still think about you know the the intense. Player collectors and, and how prominent their the display of their collections were, um, you know, like Buck with his Mitch Richmond collection or, or Tim uh, T. Barn with his Bill Walton and Chris Paul collections. I mean, they they were just prominent. It was what you and Tristan, the, Tristan, yes, I, how yeah, I, I how the Thompson. an incredible
0: yeah. incredible Tristan Thompson collection? If you guys he,
1: haven't seen it, he, he hit that one from day one. I'm, you know, he really hit that one running um i think his bill walton collection i know he since sold it off um surpassed that because it was just so diverse but yeah that tristan collection he he had it all um and i think he i I think he's still collecting them Um, he does yeah just some crazy and um you know glenn rice collectors and just the oddball collections that would be posted and then responses you know like really people talking about the collection and and giving them, you know, kudos for it and, and wanting to ask where they got it. And, you know, I hadn't seen that design before and just a lot of really in-depth conversation around team collecting and, and player collecting that was very enriching and gave you insight into the hobby that you wouldn't even have to buy anything. You could just, you know, consume this and, and really get a sense of, you know, a year or a style of card or, you know talk to someone about a player and you know um it was it was i, I thought was a very prominent part of the hobby you know for for several years
0: right yeah when we think 2012 we don't think well i say we i do not think of jay crowder but um i could look at your top loader binders and narrate the history of 2012 right because of your crowder collection yep um and i i think that's um you know, something worth considering and that'd be one of the, definitely one of the pros of player collecting. Now let's fast forward then, um, you know, almost a decade later. Um, how do you think player collecting is perceived today? Or is that even, you know, is it going out of style?
1: I don't think it's going out of style, but I, I do think a lot of player collectors, I don't want to say have gone underground part of it is I think the forums still have a valuable role. Um, in the hobby for sure and i still frequent them but they're not for sharing collections as much anymore um one of my favorite threads was the the gold refractor prism thread that was on blow for a while um you know that that turned into people just posting cards and no responses and i I feel like you you know player collectors can put stuff up there um a buddy of mine that's a a team collector from back in the back of days on blow of the Zodiac collection has just a very diverse autographed PSA 10 Celtics collection. He posts cards time after time with no responses. So I feel like it's, it's not as enjoyable to be active in the formats that we have available to us. Um, That being said, I think player collectors find themselves, the, the people that I talk to the most in the hobby tend to be, player collectors and we share stories we share frustrations um we share laughs we we laugh at some of the stuff we see online um so player collecting and team collecting is still what i think a lot of the true hobbyists do i just don't think it's as readily discussed in a public forum because it's just not uh, received by the quote-unquote masses as well as it used to be um, so I don't, think it's, I don't think it's died off. I think the people that have been doing it, do it. And I actually saw a post on Facebook just yesterday. Um, I forget the user's name. It wasn't anyone I recognized. Uh, they just posted up in one of the, the groups about, you know, a challenge to everyone to pick a player, someone that is cheap and inexpensive, and just collect their cards. Keep collecting Zion and Trey and Lucre if you want but also just try collecting a player and follow them and follow their hobby impact and just have some fun with it. So there's definitely a push for it there's a respect for it. It's just not something that is reciprocated, you know, in in mass. So like you mentioned my my Celtics rookie hall of fame um collection that I'm I'm still posting on Instagram, but I I don't post frequently because it's a bit of work and it only gets so much feedback, right? So it's like all right, if I have a free day, I'll post three or four at a time and and let people look at them and they do appreciate them. But I'm not going to take the photographs and write the narratives and stuff, you know, one per day because it's more work than you kind of get back. And I I think that's what some of the player collectors feel. Um, But then there's also a piece with the Well, there is a little bit of, you know, if I let someone know I'm collecting a certain set or a certain player that they're going to snipe a card on me and then try and double up on me or that they're going to, you know, try and price gouge me a little bit. So I've seen that narrative on on social media and on the forums more frequently over the last, I'd say, three to four years. I don't ever – I remember those questions coming up and people being like, no – you want people to know what you're collecting, so they'll help you out. Um, but I, I feel that narrative has changed over the last few years. Um, and that has, I would say, limited some people from saying, I'm collecting set X or I'm collecting player Y, because they are concerned about missing out on opportunities or, you know, being extorted. <laughs> um, right. You know, so, so that that has had an impact.
0: Yeah, and um, I I mean, I think we all face that, and and this really is segue as well, because I was going to ask about the challenges of a a player collector. Um, The challenges of a collector in general, uh, there are cards that I want to pick up right now that I need help with, that I want to ask for help with, but I know once I do, it could have two um, equally powerful effects it could either like a lot of people could see it and help me or uh and it's not even that people have bad motives in this case but they might say like hey you know i, I also really want a jeff foster or whatever right <laughs> although they, they probably wouldn't say that but um i'm going to use that to mask the other cards i'm looking for uh, they might say hey i want that and if it's something that there's not a lot of to begin with it, you've just caused more trouble than you've actually, you know, you were trying to solve something and now right. you've caused a, a, a bit of a situation. Um, if I, if I could chime in a little on player collecting in 2020, especially in your case, um, I think it's unfortunate because I do see people that do get Crowder one-on-ones, not that you're obligated to or that you've ever felt entitled to own them. You've never given me that vibe at all. You've never said anything like that to me at all, but these people then all of a sudden it's more valuable to them because there is one person that wants it. Right. And in my mind, it's just like, you know, really, you know, maybe if you pulled it and it's something that, you know, your first one-on-one pull or whatever, then maybe it has some value to you. But, um, you know, maybe there's a way they can appreciate it and then pass it on after a while without having to pass on their cost of the box to you. Yeah, that, I, I that's think what you're. Gets me. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's not that all the Zion stuff and everything, all these rookies, like the Ja Morant, is a really pricey card, right? Whatever Ja Morant you're chasing, um, but when they don't get the Ja Morant and they get the Crowder 101 and they have paid the J the uh, Ja Morant. Um, break price, well, you're the one that's going to end up paying that because they've got to recoup their cost. Um, and that's not, you know, we're not criticizing anyone. We're not putting blame on anyone here, but it's just an unfortunate reality that I think is becoming more prevalent in this hobby. And I see it with guys, especially that collect obscure players. Um, and I feel for them. You know, I, I feel for you when I see the, the people kind of they, they, they smell blood, right. When they, they get a Crowder card now and, and, you know, and, and, but I know who you are and I know your motives. So I guess that's part of why I feel for you. So if I could communicate something today or, or try and get people to, um, feel sympathy for you, not that you're asking for it. Um, but you know, that's something that I would like to express. It's just, Hey, let's think about, you know, rerouting these cards where they would best fit. And that doesn't mean you have to take every card in your collection and do that. But, um, you know, I've had a lot of people. I actually had someone today. I asked him. uh, It was a Jeff Foster patch, which those don't come up up often. (laughs) And um, it was a post I missed from July. He replied to me in July, and I just happened to see it now that I'm on uh, quarantine browsing. And uh, I said, hey, what do you want for this? And he said, "Uh, well, you know, it belongs with you. Uh, let me just send it to you. And I I was floored by that. And I didn't ask him to do that. Um, And I'm not saying we should just give everything away. But um, that was that that was kind of made my day. You know, that was something that definitely helped me out. And I know that would help you out as well. Um, Can you tell me a crazy uh, a story that you might have or a creative method that you've used to track down rare Crowder cards? Is there anyone that has maybe a, a unique story that goes along with it?
1: Yeah, I can do that. But at first I want to sort of double back on what you were just saying and say that I have had many more positive interactions by like putting myself out there. So like to your point, you know, like I, I've gotten cards, you know, gifted to me or I've had people reach out and say, Hey, I saw this. Um, the, the one that does get me is when someone will say, and and I, I often feel like it's it's ignorance, not vindictive, but the person will say, "Well, I paid X, Y or Z for a box, and this was my best hit, so I need to recoup and I'm sorry sir, you're not getting fifty dollars for your J Crowder checkerboard. I'll wait till it's one for 99 cents right <laughs> and I'm I'm willing to pay a premium if it's a one dollar card. I'll pay you five bucks because I appreciate you I I will I appreciate people that respond to my posts on Facebook and sometimes I will i'll pick up a couple of cards that i maybe don't need because i really just appreciate them taking the time to dig out a Jay crowder card and say this is what i got and if i even if i already have one but it's a cool card i, I might pick it up um i never 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 worry about people like if i if i hit a card it has more value to me and so i'm going to be hesitant to to get rid of it and i'll probably only get rid of it if it's in trade um I I do laugh if I ask if somebody says hey I have this Jay Crowder card and they respond saying I'm looking for you know a Kevin Durant rookie refractor, <laughs> I guess, yeah. and, which I did get recently and I I laughed and I offered them a Jamarant based prism which was more valuable and I offered them a Tatum rookie and you know if somebody offers you a, a, a short print Jason Tatum rookie for a Jay Crowder card, I would probably recommend you take it. Um, same thing if, you know, <laughs> if there's a Rick Smiths card out there and someone says, here's a, you know, a, a nice John Moran, I'd probably recommend you take that. But uh, I right. find a lot yeah, of Yeah, I get more- <laughs> uh, a
0: lot of, uh, hey, do you want this Rick Smiths? Yeah, who do you collect? Uh, LeBron, yeah. Luca, and Zion. Yeah. Oh, okay, all the cards that I can move immediately. At yeah. any time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. the ones
1: that are liquid yeah <laughs> i'd right. have have value right now um but i'm also not one that needs to get every crowder card so if it's not priced appropriately or if i'm not enjoying the interaction then keep your card it's your card especially if it's a 101 or an out of 10 you have the right to put the value you want on it um, i'm just only going to pick it up if the value is right for me you know and um like I, I think i said to you in a private message recently kyle an immaculate rpa out of 75 for crowder just went an open auction for seven dollars and 50 cents like that's the market <laughs> for a guy like him um and i think we do have a new influx of collectors that may some will stick around some won't and it, it, it's a learning curve for them so um i understand a lot of that there's only been right. a few that i've i've found that people are trying to like be you know put a target on my back and i just Happily walk away because I don't. I don't need. I'm never going to get them all. I don't need them all. So
0: right, stand um, your ground. Right, that's the that's the lesson there. You can't you can't let people exploit you just enough. because you have become the collector of that
1: guy. And in reality, it's this stuff has zero value, right? Like a Jake. Like if I, I don't know what I'll do with it. Like when it's time for me to be done collecting. Like as far as a, a hobbyist, and wh- whether that's you know ten years or thirty years from now. But it ain't gonna have any value, so I'm not gonna extend myself now. Now, uh, you know, a Bill Russell, a Bob Cousy, that stuff that my kids have needed, be could sell probably at any point in history, right? Um, mm-hmm. But a Jay Crowder card is probably I. Who knows? Maybe one day I, I find out where he retired to, and I mail them all to him. I don't know, but they're not gonna have any value, so I'm not gonna extend myself. And I'm, but I'm also not gonna fight with people, and I'm not. I'm not here to be adversarial. I just, you know, like the conversations. And if you have something that I could use, I'm willing to talk to you about it. So I think, I think a lot of it goes to the educational piece of it. I really do. But there, there,
0: when, when this whole thing becomes stressful, you're probably doing it wrong, even though there's not a right way to do it. Um, you're probably doing it in a wrong way for you. Hmm. That's a good way. All right. Give me a crazy story.
1: If you got one Crowder ones, I don't have too many. Um, there, so I've mentioned um, Kenny, the green fundamental. He he's in New Zealand. He he keeps an eye out for me on some of the Asian uh, markets, the places that I might not be able to access or might not be able to place, you know, bids. Um, so that that's like the craziest I've gone. I, maybe uh, when the so I, I as you know I completed the entire rainbow for 2018, 2019 prism. I, I should how many, know that. How many I think, is that? 40? Nah, 38, 40, I think. This year, 38, is, okay. this year is 42, if you count the autograph card. Last year was 38. The All very, the swirly stuff. Yeah, the, the <laughs> swirly stuff. The very last one I needed um, was the Black Prism. So to have like a 101 be the final one is kind of a kick in the gut if you're chasing a rainbow because there's a slim chance you won't get it. It didn't pop up for months and months and months. Finally popped up in Asia from a well-known card shop that i might have messaged them both personally and publicly years ago um, wondering if they were allowing shill bill bidding to happen because i was chasing a set and there was a card that every time i placed i placed a bid and it would get bid up by one dollar by zero feedback and so i would you know wait a few days and top it and the exact same thing would happen the minute so i i asked a question probably not so professionally or politely um, and they, they blocked me. So I went to bid on the Crowder black and I was blocked. So I had to <laughs> message them and, and, you know, go back in history with them. And they didn't know why they blocked me. They're a very large shop, very well respected. They do a lot of consignment. Um, and so I had to have a, a lot of conversations with them and then ended up making a, an offer from them that they went back to the, you know, the owner with, and they sort of brokered a deal. So that might be the craziest Crowder, um. But I mentioned Alonzo Morning when I first got back in the hobby. Um, I was a huge fan of 2012, 2013 Crusade. I have the whole autograph set. I have the whole Pat um, Relic set. I have the whole Blue Crusade insert set. I just I loved it. I broke a ton of the stuff, and I I had a chance to buy uh, the Black 101 Zoe Crusade inserts. I put together that rainbow. Then there was. Um, He's got, there's three autograph cards, a base, a gold and a black, and then a relic and a patch out of 25. I had everything but the black autograph. And I was like, I want to put together this full player set. Like I had, I had every other card that was made for Zoe in that set. I wanted this one. I watched, I would just go on and watch random breaks of Crusade Boxes just because I liked the product. I just enjoyed seeing it. I really liked the design, the layout of it. Um, there were six packs per box. It was a quick break to watch when you're bored. And I saw a break over in Asia, um, at a card shop that I couldn't even, I don't even know if I, I think the name might've been in like Mandarin or something. And I saw the Zoe one one auto pop up and I spent like three months trying to figure out there was this really, really weird Asian market website. It was like, uh, catch all Asian website. I found it was posted on there. I couldn't interpret it. I didn't know how to get to it. Somehow got the email address for someone associated with the shop. I emailed them. They contacted the owner. I blindly, very stupidly, by the way, blindly sent them PayPal money to buy it. They took it, went back to the owner. Like it took me like three months and I, I wish I could like screenshot the website. I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't a lick of English on it. Um, and then like a month of waiting and being like, am I going to have to file a payback charge? Um, the Zoe showed up. So that was like the craziest just manhunt. Taken steps I shouldn't have, novice to the industry um, story that I've had as far as a player collector. But for all the Crowder stuff um, has been more like people reaching out to me. Like I said, the the biggest stretch is is having Kenny over in New Zealand keep an eye out on stuff and make some bids for me. But nothing, haven't chased anything to the moon or back for Crowder.
0: All right, so you you talked about it not too long ago uh, about – you know, you don't know when you're going to stop, but that's kind of a question that um, I I put out some feelers today. You know, what would you want to ask a player collector if you were to hear from one? And that's a, a question that they uh, several people brought up at one. At what point do you think you stop collecting your player? And um, I know for me, in the two thousands, it it took quite a bit to stop. Ron Artest punched fans. Um and I kept collecting. <laughs> and uh Ron Artest asked to take time off to promote a rap album the next season. Oh, God, I and forgot. I kept collecting. And then finally Ron, <laughs> Ron Artest asked to be traded. And I said, I can't do I can't do this anymore. Um and then a month ago I, I spent a substantial amount of money on our on our test card uh fifteen years later. So yeah. I what is I can't quit you right is that what it was yeah um, so you're stuck. it, it kind of goes on those lines although I I did stop for the longest time um, so w- what do you envision you know you you said you don't know of course we don't know exactly what it would be like w- what do you think the the end of Crowder collecting might look like for you
1: all right so I'll, I'll put the disclaimer out there that I'll avoid anything you know if he does anything heinous if he goes Aaron Hernandez I'm out right and I'll probably burn the right guys, but. Aside from that, when he's done playing, I'll stop collecting any new releases. And I, so if I'm going to go a little nostradamus, uh, Crowd has probably got one more two or three year contract. He's a free agent this summer. Um, at the end of that, he'll probably get, a, he'll probably be a throw in salary wise on some trade. They'll waive him midseason. He'll end up in China in two years, right? He's probably right. on that track.
0: He probably uh, won't have cards with a new team either if they have established players. Right. So, Maybe you can get him in the big three set from Parkside.
1: Right. <laughs> right. So when he's done, so I picture for the next two or three years being very happy chasing his hoops cards because that's the best release out there. Tell tell your wife I said so. Um, right. But <laughs> once he's done in the league, you know, I'll chase some obscure. You know, if he's in the CBA, I'll chase some Chinese, you know, promo packs or something. But I'll, I'll be done chasing new product. Even if they did happen to have some stickers lying around, they threw them in something. Um, It'd be a
0: yeah. national treasures to offset yeah. the cost. Yeah. No, I'm not. Cho- I'm not joking. It will be a national treasures sticker dump.
1: Uh, you, you might be right. Um, but I don't see my. So I would stop buying new stuff when he's done playing. Um, but it doesn't mean that I wouldn't stop the engagement with the hobby. Right. So I would still be looking for that um what is it that has the no back complete it has no back cards i can't find them nobody they're they're junk cards they just didn't have a back to them i would still randomly search ebay for that card right uh, just to be involved mm-hmm. in the hobby um i also have a small collection of paul Pierce refractor cards i'm not chasing new paul Pierce cards but i will every three or four days check ebay or com c for you know paul Pierce refractors i might not have so i don't I don't I see myself I can see when I would stop maniacally chasing, you know, every card that gets released in a given year and that's when they're they stop being released as new cards. Um but I would stay involved in the hobby because it's especially now where it's 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 not expensive. Um it allows me to have lots of conversations, people like to ask me questions about it, laugh about it. Um I end up on a podcast being interviewed about it so it's a good way to be part of the hobby and really i get a ton of enjoyment out of that at at a low cost so the the experience cost benefit is is much greater than the cost to me uh so i would i can see myself for as long as i'm interested in being part of the hobby always checking for that one or two rare crowder cards that i happen to not have um And just adding to it and getting a kick out of that and and sharing, you know, if my kids ever get interested in cards, showing them what I was collecting. Um, Because I don't see myself ever picking a new player. Like when he's done playing, I don't see myself jumping in on a new player. I'm I'm kind of getting past that. Um, I'm really enjoying, like I said, there's a few Hall of Famers that were, you know, played – for the celtics i don't have cards of yet that i you know will focus on getting a handful of those i'll, I'll focus on some pierce cards i'll you know i'd like jalen brown jersey numbered cards uh, but i only buy them when they're cheap enough so you know i have little niches um i think when i'm when crowder's done playing i'll probably start focusing more on set collecting again uh, but i will always search his cards for as long as i'm involved in the hobby i, I really enjoy it and it's a it's a good way for me to stay connected
0: Good. And I've enjoyed our conversation today. Um, we've connected on social media. We've connected on the forums, but we haven't had much of a of a real conversation. So this was refreshing. Before I let you go today, I know we could keep talking on and on. You know, I'm assuming you want to put out a, a plug for rare Crowder cards, right? But I'll, I'll let you choose what you want to say here. Is there anything you want to add? Anything you want to plug before you go? You want to talk about your social media? This is your time. Have at it.
1: So I, I just want to stop by saying thank you, Kyle. As, as you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. really enjoy the content and, and greatly respect that you put the time and effort into this. And I'm, I'm honored to have a, have a little role to play in this and, and really appreciate that. So I, I thank you for that. Um, as far as plugs, I mean, we've just talked a bunch about Jay Crowder. If you are going through your stash and you happen to find something, let me know. Most of this I do have. I don't have my spreadsheet up anymore, but I have over 77% of all J Crowder cards. There's not too much I need. Um, most of it is rare stuff, you know, out of 10 or less, but there's plenty of obscure base cards I need. Like I said, I didn't collect a lot of 2017 18 stuff, so a lot of even unnumbered hoop stuff I need, um, select stuff. So there is. Do you stuff collect I printing need. plates? I don't. I, I'll i pick them up if they're dirt cheap and in. like I said, I'm very OCD. I have a a page at the end of every year in my binders where I will put them, um, but I do not collect them. Uh, You can't get a good checklist of what's put out there. Panini has, if they were cataloged well by Panini and they were in certain releases and numbered appropriately, but they're so inconsistent and some of them aren't, you know, numbered or or included in sets and checklists and some are that I do not. I'll pick it, like I said, if they're if I'm ordering stuff from Com C and there's a nice one on there for five dollars store credit, I might pick it up, but I don't include that as part of my collection, though. No. Um, so Crowder stuff definitely let me know. Um, I guess I'm everywhere on, in the hobby. Is i um, S Howley, so S H O W L E Y. Most people call me Shawley. Uh, Two thousand three, so that's um, Beckett, uh, Com C, Blowout, Instagram. Um, eBay, I, I, I try to keep all my stuff um, consistent for transparency reasons. So definitely hit me up, send me a follow. Um, I, I do enjoy my Celtics Rookie PC. So if you want to follow a hashtag, it's hashtag ShaoliC's So S-H-O-W-L-E-Y-C-S-P-C. Um, And I use that, and it chronicles all the Hall of Famers that have played for the Celtics that I have rookie cards of. Um, Starting 48 Bowman, I have posted up through 70 tops. I believe my last post was my uh, Pistol Pete rookie. Uh, So there's a lot of stuff, and I I try to put some thought into the narratives and stuff. So definitely check that out if you're interested. Um, But other than that, I I don't have much to plug. Uh, um, So just, you know, like I said, reach out to me at any point. Always happy to talk about the hobby, share ideas. Um, let me know what you're collecting. I keep my eye out for people. Um, and that's about it.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Steve, and I will be talking to you soon. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you, Kyle. All right. So there you have it. I want to thank Steve for coming on the show. Once again, he helped me out with one of the listener forum episodes before, and it's always good to hear from him. I'll make sure to post his Instagram handle just in case you want to chat with him or share any rare J Crowder that you might come across. Uh, I'm also working with him so we can show you how to create a player checklist spreadsheet. So make sure that you are watching out for that. Uh, Before I go, I want to take a moment to plug something that's happening this weekend. And I know there's not much time before then, just a couple of days, but My Podbean stats show that a lot of you actually listen to the episode the first two days that I release it anyway. So you guys might remember Justin, a.k.a. 610 Sports Cards on Instagram. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we reflected on the virtual sports card convention that he helped put together. Well, show number two is coming up this weekend, and I want to share some of the details that I have so far. And maybe you've seen some posts about it already the original hashtag for the first show was VSCC2020. Now it's been changed to VISCCE Show, with the idea that is pronounced vice. Everyone has their own vices. Ours just happen to be sports cards. Um, I've also seen it branded with the hashtag What's Your Vice? And once again, vice is VISCCE. So uh, this is Saturday, April 11th, and there are two main sessions. The first is from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the second is from 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That way, people in different time zones can participate this time. Um, Some of the people that are involved are also looking to raise money to help fight the coronavirus or to contribute to people that are helping to fight that. So there's just a lot of good stuff going on overall. If you want more details, head over to Justin's Instagram, which once again is 610 Sports Cards. Um, I'll try and post some on my social media as well. As always, you guys can find me on Instagram, at Wax Museum Podcast, and Twitter, at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.